What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning. Welcome to this Monday, Monday edition of Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Conan, Dennis Dick. Uh, triple header of good news this morning. New York saw a daily decline in deaths. Italy posted its lowest daily death toll in two and a half weeks. Spain's numbers fell for a third straight day. So a lot of good news this morning, and we are up as a result. I'll throw it to Joel here before I uh, preview the show. We're going to talk about the rally. We're going to talk about uh, Buffett reducing his stake in a couple of airlines late on Friday. We'll talk about, or at least the news came out Friday. We'll talk about uh, the Crazy move in oil here. The move on Friday and the follow-through move today, oil volatility is not getting uh, uh, lower here. And uh, our guest today is Jonathan Corpina, Senior Managing Partner at Meridian Equity Partners. He would join the show at 8.35. In the meantime, Joel here, what's the word here in the uh, overnight pre-market session? Uh, here we are on a uh, synthetic Tuesday, folks. We are up uh, 87.50 handles, 25.70 in a quarter. Caught a bit right off that 6 p.m. open. Open 85, low 84.75, and I blinked, and it was at 25.15. Fall through rally through the pair of highs from Thursday and Friday, and we've got all the way to 25.86.75. Now, backing off a little bit, uh, Big number still up top, folks, is that high from last week at 26.35.75 and then 26.5. That's your three-week high. Uh, I'll just give you the skinny on crude, and then we'll discuss it. Down 98 cents at 27.36. Gold breaking out this morning above 16.50, up 26.80 at 16.72.5. Silver joining the party, too, mirroring $15. That's up 38.6 cents at 14.88. And Bitcoin, Bitcoin's joining in the rally too, up over 7,000. These are the futures, up $395 at $7,195. So what's the last time we had a, a solidly green Monday? This solidly green? It's been a while. Let's go back. I, I, I don't know for the Mondays, but it's been a while. We've probably been... At least two weeks since we've had a day that we're up 900 Dow points. 
at least you know futures are implied 764 up here right now it's been a while it's been a while i mean this uh, once you saw the nyc numbers you kind of knew this was going to happen i tweeted this out at four o'clock right before the futures opened and i was like is this going to be a flattening the curve rally today because it probably sets up to be the nyc numbers were good spencer talk about them yeah so the question is now and and governor cuomo outlined this situation last night or yesterday is yeah. this a blip is this a blip or is it not because going into the week the expectations were that this is going to be a brutal week the president said so yeah. everyone seems to think this is going to be a brutal brutal week uh so the blip the, the daily decline in deaths in new york uh over the weekend uh as cuomo said it was it a blip or is what it, were the numbers so give the numbers just in case uh, people don't aren't following it closely do you have them in front of you no i have them somewhere in front of me but i can't actually find them at the moment i i have so many windows and tabs open i apologize right. here <laughs> let me try to track them down so day over day less deaths day over day less hospitalizations i believe both good numbers this had to happen eventually it had to happen. And this market is trading so much on logic now. I love this market because it's trading as you think it. It should. You know, it's trading off a of logic. So you look at the situation and you think, okay, well, I, it obviously caught me by surprise that those numbers came down. You knew this was going to happen eventually, though, that the death rate's going to start to fall. I mean, why are we social distancing if, you know, if it's not going to show any, eventually show uh, any, any right, real I, I, I found them. I found them on my. Give me the I found them on my tab. Okay, they were New York reported 594 new coronavirus deaths on Sunday. On Saturday, they reported 630 deaths, which was so, down right. from Friday. What was Friday's numbers? It was over. It was. It was a lot higher than that, wasn't it? Uh, but, 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 I didn't write that down. Sorry. Um, okay. I don't know if I don't know if Friday. Okay. In any regard, uh, here the death rate appears to be at least slowing. The acceleration appears to be slowing. Cases in New York. The numbers were good. Um, when I was seeing those numbers come out, I thought it too. I was like, we're probably going to rally significantly on this because everybody thinks, you know, the apex is three or four weeks away. And it's like, oh, boom, maybe we're closer than we think to the apex, which is really good news for the market. I mean, this is the kind of market and Muhammad Alarian was just on CNBC completely agree with them. This is the kind of rally that is sustainable because this is what the problem is. The problem is obviously health. And this is good news on the health front. The first good news, like every time we've rallied before, it's been on BS from the Fed. This is actually on what we've been doing, the social distancing. It's showing that it is starting to work, at least in New York City. We're going to have ugly numbers elsewhere because the social distancing efforts haven't been as good as they have been in New York. And some of them started a lot later. So you are going to still see some ugly numbers coming, lots of bad news still coming. But with that being said, it's starting to bear fruit. The social distancing efforts are starting to bear fruit. And that's what we are seeing here this morning. So this, don't kid yourself, is a complete rally on the New York City numbers. You know, oil got killed. It was down 10% at one point in time. And you've got, you know, when we opened at 6 o'clock, oil was down 10%. On any other given day, the S&P futures would get killed. But you had the S&P futures open up 30 and people were, you know, scratching their head. And I'm like, well, it's not surprising because those New York City numbers were good. And it shows that we might be closer to the apex than we think, which is good news. With that being said, we are far from out of the woods because even if we get the death rate slowing, we're still doing the whole social distancing thing. So what happens when we start to come back out? I know Matt Kolb was tweeting on the weekend, like what happens when, you know, if we just reopen everything in six weeks, and we start to go back out and do our stuff. Does COVID start coming back? Do we have it uh, you know, down enough that it's not going to get, pick up the strength again, you know, to, to have you know, a lot of new cases show up? I mean, there's so many 
different questions to be answered still on this, and I don't think anybody has these answers for these. But what we do have is that social distancing is at least starting to work. It appears, at least, you know, unless it's a blip, it appears in New York City. You hope the numbers are going to be good again. But eventually, this had to happen. You know, if you're social distancing and nobody's going around and, you know, you're limiting the contact with each other, eventually, it's not going to spread as rapidly. That's the whole idea. So it's working. And that's good news for the market. Right. Yeah, and- uh, Detroit, you know, uh, we're, we're getting hit pretty hard here. So, it diff- you know, New Orleans, they had the Mardi Gras. Detroit, uh, we're, you know, we exposure with people from the auto industry. So, you know, things are ramping up here. Um, you know, other places, uh, Lisa talked to a friend of hers in Arizona, hasn't hit there, you know, that in a big, um, in a big wave yet. So it's definitely, definitely good news here. So, good news. And, the, and the market's responding it to good it. good news. I'm hope, happy we got some good yeah. news. Gosh, darn it. I mean, I wish it would have happened on a different day because I actually came in <laughs> a little bit short overnight. <laughs> And then I was like, at four o'clock on Sunday, I was like, I'm in trouble on those short positions. (laughs) So, you know, but that's my day trading portfolio. And obviously, you know, I'm still sitting with a ton of cash in my long-term investment portfolio, which I eventually want to put to work. I'm still not confident enough yet, but this makes me feel more confident. Like on pullbacks now, maybe I start to nibble again. I'm not coming in here and chasing us when we're up 744 Dow points, but on pullbacks, maybe I'm interested here again. Spinner making a good point in the chat as well. South Korea numbers, Italy numbers, Spain numbers, Germany numbers are all getting better. Italy had, I believe, over the weekend, one of their lowest uh, 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 deaths. Two, two and a half weeks. In two and a half weeks. Yeah. So yeah. it's not just New York City. It's Italy as well. So social distancing working again. You know, bravo to all these countries, you know, that are doing the social distancing because it's showing up in the numbers now that it is starting to work. Um, so, you know, that, and that's really been the only way without a, without a cure, without a vaccine, there's nothing else we can really do. So it's starting to work and that's good news for the market. I'm not surprised we have a significant rally here this morning. I, I'm somewhat skeptical. It's going to hold. I don't know. Yep. It could hold because question. of the healthcare rally. So it has a better chance to hold than if it was like, if we were up on the fed here this morning. So you know, I, I'm not shorting into this. I'm not actively like, oh, this is a gift. I'm not actively selling into it. I'm just not chasing. I'm not coming here and buying stocks. Again, I'm going to say the same thing. The stocks that I've been buying, stocks like Microsoft, you know, I bought that last week. Stocks like Qualcomm, I bought that last week. Big tech that is going to be okay through this. Those are the stocks that I want to own. Um, again, I have a lot of cash to put to work, but I will be picking on tech stocks. I am not going into the airlines. I am not going in. And some of these stocks might get a left, like Wind Resorts is up, I think, 7% here this morning. That's kind of ground zero, that stuff. I don't think that stuff is, you know, it's going to have the biggest bounces because it's been beat up the most. But when you look, in, is it really going to recover all the way back? Like, you know, some of your tech companies, I want to be in safer stuff because if we turn down, that's the stuff that's going to get hammered. Yeah, again. hold up the best. Yep. Yeah. And if, you know, you're in good stocks, like, you know, I've talked about, you know, tech with cash, you know, like, and you think about even Amazon as well. And obviously Amazon is not going to participate as much in this rally simply because it never sold off as much. But there's lots of good companies that have been holding up fairly well, even when it was starting to get rough. And if you're looking, a lot of them have something in common. A lot of them are tech for one thing, but a lot of them have a lot of cash component as well, Uh, like a big chunk of cash that they could go. You know, if we go into a lockdown for three, six, four, five, six months, some of these other companies can survive. So that's why I'm picking on those companies. Those are the kind of companies I want to go along. 
On uh, pullbacks, yeah. guys. On pullbacks. Yeah, on pullbacks here. I, I got a, I got a number I'm looking at here uh, that if we break below, then I think we'll get back some of these gains. You guys know how I do my numbers, so I don't need to give it to you. Um, let's just talk about crude. And that did you see that after hours on uh, on uh, Friday, Dennis? They jacked that thing to twenty nine fourteen, and settled it at twenty nine. And then I looked at that um that ig.com that uh, weekend indicator thing. They had it trading up another buck sixty. They couldn't have been more wrong. Opened at twenty six oh nine, went down a buck, and then rallied. So. Man, some now I know why some firms have you on double margin here for uh, for the crude oil futures. I would just for crude, I'm keeping an eye on uh, that close from Friday. That was very the real close, not the jacked up uh, 5 p.m. close, but the close on Friday was 28.34. That's where everyone was marked. Uh, you had nearly a three point rally, got to 28.24, and then uh, just quickly gold. Gold's looking good here. Had a bunch of highs at sixteen fifty, and we poked through there. I think the next thing for uh, gold would be uh, to clear seventeen hundred and settle over seventeen hundred. Gold has held up for a long time. Um, the, throughout this whole thing, GLD, not the gold miners, but GLD has held up well. People were asking why the miners weak, and they've come back a long ways too. But a lot of the cases, you know, when we had that real weakness three weeks ago, they were hammering everything with debt. A lot of those miners have a lot of debt. A lot of those gold mines obviously probably aren't even operating. I mean, you, you know, you think about a place where you could spread it probably if you're all down in a mine. Maybe they still are. I'm not sure. But I would think operations are somewhat more limited than they were, you know, a month ago. So there's lots of considerations with the miners. But gold has held up. The precious metal itself has held up fairly well. So I, back to the markets, though. I mean, we get a good piece of good news. Was it a blip, Spencer, Israel? I mean, that's the big question that is going to be answered here, I guess, today as we see the New York City numbers. If they come out and the numbers are bad again in New York, do they hammer the market down? Or are we getting over, are we starting to get over that, you know, initial hump? Because you got to think, like with all the social distancing, just using logic, with all the social distancing, you got to think that, the numbers eventually are going to start to improve. So could we get a couple weeks? Could we get a couple weeks where we start to show some strength and start to get back up there again? What, what do you think, Joel? I, I mean, I think it's all that, to me, I'm just going technically here because I just, I can't predict, you know, what these numbers are going to be with the, the death rates and what's going to pop up with cures. We could talk about, you know, Gilead in a second here. I thought, you know, they really tried to crack it Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of last week. They tried to get it down to that 50% they level, and they couldn't do it. We put a triple bottom in. We put a triple bottom in, exactly, like triple D. And then, you know, on the upside here, you know, I mean, I would love to get out the scalpel and maybe start doing some shorting. But in reality, you know, you had the three-week high at 26.50. You had last week's high at 26.35.75. That's the line in the sand. And I think that, you know, and right now you're in the middle of that trading range here. So I definitely don't want to be long here. And it might be a little bit early to start the shorts. But that trading range that we established last week, I mean, we're calming down. The, the nine-day average trading range is coming down. Everything yeah. is, you know, so we don't have to bust up the 2780, which is the 50% retracement. We don't have to bust down through 2400 and go test the, the move. And I think everyone is like, everyone's ready for that because, you know, you had two or three weeks of action. But in reality, the market calms down first before it makes new. I and mean, we're just in the calming phase. There was a big move last night. 
And I just think you're going to grind and you're going to grind. And then you're either going to bust out over 26.50, do the real 50% retracement or bust down below 2,400 and maybe test that low. But, you know, we, I might be saying that for two, three weeks, two, three months, you know, something like that. So I'm just looking at things, that, you know, technically and, uh, you know, just trying to follow those, follow the levels and, not follow my so opinions. I'm going to do the combo. I'm going to use the technicals. And I'm going to use the logic because I'll tell you, I've been making most of my money lately just trading on logic here. And this market has been trading very logically for you know a while here now. Um, and they do trade on these COVID numbers. And you can kind of anticipate. You say you can't, but you can because we're doing social distancing. So you got to think the numbers are going to have a little bit, you know, problems in some areas. But in Italy, it's probably going to continue to improve because they're still under full lockdown there. And another country is probably going to improve. It's probably going to keep and continue to slowly improve in New York too. Yes, we're going to have blips. Nothing goes straight up. Nothing goes straight down. But it's got to start bearing fruit. So when you think about that, if the numbers coming aren't that bad and we get a cycle, let's say a couple of weeks where it's not that bad, we could rally substantially. So now I want to do the combo. What is the 50% retracement of the overall move? For the spoos, it's 2780. 20, 2780. So 278 on the spy, right? Yep. So call it 278, 280. That's yep. off another 200 points from here. Yep. That would be the 50% retracement of the entire move. I think that's doable in the next week or two. I'm bullish short, short term here. I'm not loading up my investment portfolio. Like I said, I might buy some stuff on pullbacks here because I don't know how we get out of this thing yet. But I think, you know, we're not worrying about so much getting out of it right now. The market's not worried about what is the escape plan. The market just wants to see the numbers improve. So it gives us a glimmer of hope. This market can live on silver linings for a while. And the silver lining here is the numbers are still going to go up. But as long as that rate of increase starts to decline, I think the market could climb a slow wall of worry here. I don't know the escape plan. And that's why I'm not going to go all in on this market. Because what happens, you know, we get some bad news. You know, some tigers got the thing in the Bronx. I mean, it's bad if it's going to other species now. But, you know, that's besides the point. The point I'm just trying to make is there, there is the potential for there to be some good news in the next couple of weeks as the social distancing measures start to bear fruit. I don't know about you guys, but, but I've been social distancing from tigers for a very long time. <laughs> we stay away from the tigers. We're not going to the zoo anytime soon. Yeah. Is there a public, been... is there a public zoo to short? Uh, that would be a good zoo question. But he, here's, here's, the other, here's something else I don't think that, that you mentioned yet or considered is how bad will it get in other states? Because if you look at the, the death toll across the U.S., yeah. I mean, it's really not that bad in most areas of the country. It's bad in New York, New Jersey. It's getting bad in Michigan, too. Um, but and in, in New Orleans and Louisiana, it's getting bad too. But it's really not most states. I I, I wonder what the here what the median death would be, the uh, the total death number would be across the U.S. It, it, it would probably be double digits, uh, uh, or maybe low low triple digits. I mean, it's not it's not that bad in terms of number of deaths in most areas of the country. Two, so how, two reasons for that, I think. Um, I'll address it, then you can address it too, Joel. Two reasons for that. One is geography. So New York right. is just a bad situation because it's a big metropolis. People are on top of each other. Right. Uh, secondly, is I think that you know a lot of these states and a lot of these bigger cities like Detroit are just a little bit behind. Sure. So see, you know, and this is the potential for more bad news. If you want, just want to talk that, about that, 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 that's what I'm getting that, to. That's is, the is, potential. Is, how is, is, how is, is if spread? Detroit starts to look ugly, if Chicago starts to look ugly. 
does the market start to decline say well we have more we have another epicenter we have more epicenters here right that's there what i'm is getting the to potential for that too so it's a very valid point you're making i hope that the social distancing measures bear fruit all over the place eventually and maybe we don't get as ugly as new york got because you know we started to do social distancing but there are still some places that aren't doing the social distancing very well and those places might get impacted a little in a little bit. We don't know. I mean, but there is money. Like people say, who cares about these numbers? There's numbers. There's money to be made by predicting the numbers. If you could have known that the COVID numbers were going to get better in NYC over the weekend, you'd be making a lot of money right now. I obviously didn't know that. I came in even a little bit short. I was mostly hedged, but a little bit short. And uh, I'm, I'm, you know, it's costing me some money here. And I've been scrambling all morning trying to work out at the short side. But it's... Uh, it's a headline-driven market right now, and technicals work well. Um, you can still use them on, you know, where we're going. You know, like today, you can say, okay, well, we, we, it might not be able to call the direction overnight, the technicals, but it can definitely, you know, tell you where you're going. And you got a triple top on SPY up there, 263, 262, 260. So now, again, we talked about this range last week. You are still within the trading range. You know, on the low side, say 245 SPY on the upper side, 262, 263. Maybe we chop around in there for a couple more days, like Joel's saying. You know, it doesn't have to just break out, you know, and maybe it's going to take a good you know, piece of news to break us out one way or another. I don't see, you know, the cloud hanging over the market that, you know, when I was looking last week and you're thinking, what can be the catalyst to give us good news? I did not foresee a potential, you know, NYC numbers dropping in this weekend and the apex being closer than I thought. So this actual social distancing is bearing fruit a lot quicker than I thought it would which again is good news. So some good news, we like good news. Okay, I, I mean, I'll just go, I gave you the technicals, now I'll just give you the fundamentals. And next quarter's numbers are gonna be horrible. I mean, there's just right. no doubt about it. So Q2 is toast, all right? Q3, I don't know about. Q4, I don't know about. So if we're gonna go based on the numbers, and that, that these companies are going to be releasing, then we got a whole lot of bad numbers coming out. So, I mean, I could give you my bullish technical outlook, but my fundamental outlook is, you know, this is such a pervasive thing. Airlines, cruises, auto company. I mean, you know, what? Three quarters of our economy is shut down. I mean, restaurants are going out of business. The government handing out checks to people. A lot of bad news. There's a lot of bad news, and it's not going to be resolved in the second quarter. Now they can, you know, it's the health thing. Um, you know, pandemics just don't go away. I mean, they all have a different, you know, time period of, you know, and a lot of them are not less than a year. So, I mean, we can get all excited about this news, and I hope it's a trend that's going to continue. But I still think long term. We are so far from being second inning, third inning. I, I, We're I like early. To, yeah. How I, do I we like get out of it? Like that is still the big question, you know, and that's going to be the economic question. And a great point you're making. Numbers, we're coming into earnings season. They're going to be a mess. I mean, you know, the numbers themselves for the you know first quarter might not be that bad because you had probably two and a half months where it was pretty much business as usual. The last two or three weeks of March would probably get ugly. So you'll see a weakness. It's that guidance going forward. What are they going to say? Okay. Now, with that being said, maybe if the expectations are so low, you know, for all of these companies, that if they say that. anything okay, you know, they might rally. I mean, it's, 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 we know how the market responds. It responds to expectations. And just like we saw the jobless claims numbers, you know, were horrific. 
but the market responded well to it. Just like, you know, the jobs number last week, initially the market actually tried to rally on it before it started to, you know, show some weakness there, you know, throughout the day. But there is the potential for this market to rally on bad news, even on individual stocks. We've seen that. We've, We've seen, seen that. that. A lot of unknowns. And maybe you just throw it all away. And I know there's a lot of good technical traders out there. Maybe you don't consider any of that and you just trade on the charts. And if you're doing that, you're looking at the S&Ps, you've got, you know, you've got your line, you've got your range. Your range is very set. You know, like we said, 244, 245 on SPY on the buy side and 259 to 262 on the sell side. You, you may get a shot at that upper end of the range there today. Maybe you take a shot on the short side there. Um, it's all, but the next move is going to be dependent on what the New York city numbers look like again today. So, all right. Uh, it's, it's eight twenty-seven. I want to get to a couple of stocks here. Everything is up this morning with a couple of exceptions, two of those being Delta airlines and Southwest airlines. Yeah. Uh, yeah. man, poor, poor Warren. He, he avoided these airlines for how long? And, and he finally gets in them and, and, and this happens. So, yeah, uh, Filings out last week show that uh, Warren Buffett sold 18% of his stake in Delta Airlines and um, 4% of his stake in Southwest Airlines in, yep. and uh, SEC filings that were, uh, went live last week. Yeah, this came out Friday night. I did trade these headlines. I was able to get short LUV. I had to go down a little bit to get it. I, I honestly, I think I was one of the first people, if not the first people, a person to short that stock on that headline on Friday night. Um, again, FIFO problems. I mean, first in, first out, I get out too soon, but it, it tanked. So we are up obviously from those lows Friday night because the market is helping it back up. But LUV got down to 2740 Friday night after, you know, you're talking almost a 10% fall for Southwest airlines, um, after it got disclosed, you know, and it was right there. You can just go into your Benzinga pro and you can see them pop in. I was like, Oh, this isn't good. Warren Buffett. They're waiting for Warren Buffett to do something good. Now Warren Buffett's selling. So obviously didn't sell all of his stock. And some people were calling me out that I said he sold all his stock. That's not the case. I did not say that. But um, he's sold a piece of his stock. And people are speculating, okay, why is he selling? Is he selling to do some, you know, different? Is he selling to buy something else? Is he selling to buy, you know, some, you know, or to get under 10% so that he can do something else in these stocks? I think that's all. I, I, I take it at face value. I think he's reading, and this is just my thought process, but the way I read these airlines is we don't know what the bailout's going to look like. We do know that they're burning significant cash, and we know Warren Buffett trades on fundamentals. And if you're analyzing these airlines from a fundamental basis, it is much different than if you were analyzing them a month ago. So I think he just lightened up because he's uncomfortable with the position, to be honest. That's my opinion. We, know, we can't be in Warren Buffett's head, so we don't know exactly why he did it unless he comes out and says it. But I think he just sold to light now. I think, I think we're going to lose that too because I think the stocks we're are lose down. Some of these airlines. I mean, I, I think. Oh, I think gonna, so too. Joe. Yeah, I, I think just, it's possible. I'm not going to guess. You know, which one is going to survive? There's going to be consolidation. That's another thing. When I was like looking at that whole Boeing rally that it had, I'm I'm thinking it got to nearly two hundred dollars. I'm like, that's crazy. It, it, what's going to happen? If they they do if these uh, if there is some mergers and some consolidations, there's going to be excess capacity of airplanes. So I or, or is there even going to be? You know, obviously we saw that in the financial crisis out of necessity, but is it a necessity? You know, where the government intervened. You know, in the, in the case of the financial crisis, you were seeing banks, the government coming in and saying, "Look, you know, we need help with Bear Stearns. We need help, you know, with Wachovia." 
and they were kind of getting in and helping other banks to acquire to bail these things out. Do we really need, like, you know, just throwing it out there, a Spirit Airlines? Do, does the government need to come in and bail out Spirit Airlines? If we didn't have Spirit Airlines, is the flying going to be different? I don't know if I can answer that. So I'm not, I'm just picking on you, Spirit. I'm not saying you're going bankrupt. I don't, we don't know, like Joel's saying, but we all, we know is the airlines are burning a significant amount of cash. And if we don't get to back to business as usual within the next six to eight weeks, these airlines are all in a world of trouble. So they're going to need some type of loan or something to get them through this tough time. Um, if we get back to business as usual next month, then maybe some of these problems go away. But I think the only way we get back to business as usual next month is if we get a cure. So uh, I, I, also, I'm scared of all the airlines. Uh, worth pointing out is Delta Airlines um, is probably the unofficial start of earnings season. They're always the first or among their first names to report. And that's going to be uh, coming up here. I, I don't know if they've announced the date, but it's going to be. And if they have, I missed it. It could be this week. It could be next week. It's usually it's, it, they're usually on a Thursday. So if they're not this Thursday, then they'll be next Thursday. So keep There's not very on. much on the earnings agenda for this week. I was looking, yeah, and I didn't see hardly anything. It, all right, then it, there's a good chance it'll be next week then because Delta Airlines kind of kicks off earnings season. So keep that on your radar here. It's not, it's not too far off. But it's not good news that they didn't bounce. I, 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 when I saw the S&P futures up as much as they were, I thought, okay, well, maybe these airlines are going to shrug off the Warren Buffett sells from Friday night. Delta is still down six and a half percent here this morning. I mean, you got the S&P futures ripping higher, you know, up 90 handles and Delta is not really shrugging it off yeah. at all. It's up a little bit from the Warren low, but not shrugging it off much. Southwest Air, which I actually caught an upgrade, I believe today, which is helping a little bit, is still in the red as well. So with that being said, there's uh, Delta's got a level. I mean, that $20 level in Delta is huge. So if you just want to trade just technicals and throw everything out the window, it could bounce at 20. It's possible. Yeah, what was uh, – they, yeah, it, they beat it down overnight, 1990, I believe he got to. And then what was the low on the daily? The low on the daily was right there, 20. Yeah, use that as a line on the sand is your for line that. Um, I did notice which one was popping up. Love is popping up. And um, it's got a nice bounce off the low. And I was just looking in relation to Friday's uh, activity – and Friday's low was the two day low was thirty eighty seven. Big so, level too. Yeah, yeah. On the downside, yeah. where they smash it to? Uh, they oh twenty seven forty. They smashed it after hours. Oh twenty seven forty, and then what? That, was but the, it wasn't like you know. It's not like you're trading like an like a day you know where it's got you uh -huh. know a ton of volume down there. So I could see those lows potentially holding today. I mean, if they don't hold today, like we're up so much, uh, twenty nine fifteen. Again, I'm not putting any of my money in the in the airlines because I don't know what the bailout looks like. I think exactly. some of them are going to get a bailout, but I think it's going to be at really ugly terms, and there's going to be some serious dilution involved. In what about opinion. Zoom here? Ah, bad news. It got downgraded Spencer. today. Yeah. Give, me the, give us the bad news. Well, the bad news is in relation to last week. So they are getting downgraded this morning uh, by Credit Suisse to underperform. Sal. Um, but the, the CEO <laughs> was out, I believe, on Friday just – apologizing for this uh, security vulnerability yeah. that their software had this yeah. uh, quote unquote zoom bombing where you can join a, a private meeting uh, without being invited to it. Um, so he was out uh, in full force defending, uh, really apologizing 
uh, saying they'll do better. Uh, but that's been the overhang here. And, and that, that apology was the result of Thursday's headlines that they're, uh, in, they're under investigation. I mean, the under investigation thing has been what, you know, he hammered the stock three days ago and it hasn't recovered since now you get a downgrade, but you also get an up market. Zoom is moving opposite to the market. It has been for a while. So it's got a negative correlation. If the market is down 80 points today, we probably are up or, or at least, you know, flat on Zoom. The downgrade was going to hit it either, either way, probably, but it wouldn't be down this much. So you have, you know, a number of things, Sam, and the market being higher because Zoom is a, obviously a play on that we're going to be in lockdown forever and we're all going to have to go to Zoom video. Um, and Credit Suisse downgrading it to sell. They don't like to hear those sell words, underperform is their sell. So with that being said, at 100 bucks, I like this thing. I think it might get down there. Maybe it gets you a shot. I don't think it's going to give you that shot today, but maybe it gives you that shot in the next week or two. I don't think the Zoom trade is completely over here. Obviously, I don't think you're going to see the 160 high again for a long time, but I think there's still bounce potential out of 100. I think I, I might actually try for a bounce on 100 if it gets down the low hundreds. Uh, you know, it all depends on like, you know, um, if it gets down there quickly, I, I'm just looking at these dailies here and it just seems to me it's going to trade 104 before it, it, it gets back over, you know, what was the close from Friday? The close from Friday. 128, was, way away. Yeah, way, way up away. there. I mean, just just look at Dennis, I know you gave that 100. There was a low at 100.88. Yeah. But I just see 105, 107, 104.39, 104.16, 103.20, 102. So if I split all those numbers, I come out at 104. So if it got down there quickly, you know, maybe a you know short-term trade, you know, I don't know. If, uh, it just – it's just as good a trade there. I don't know if it's going to trade back up to 125 first or back down, but just a bunch of lows in that same area. So I'd look at it for a swing trade. Um, if I was looking at it for like a longer term investment, man, oh man, I'd really have to let it come in. It's because it's had such a big move and it's turned, you know, I mean, we've the seen momentum's not on its side. now. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the pot stocks and it's like the uh, yeah. blockchain, you know, they've turned. So now, yeah, everyone that bought it since the middle of March is still looking at a profit. But what happens if you lose a hundred bucks? You know, then yeah. you know some other people are underwater. So short term, you know, if I wanted to risk ten bucks on a trade, you know, in the stock one hundred four, you know, give it a you know give a, a ninety four stop and maybe see it get back to you know one twenty eight, but. Uh, that's it. I, I love the platform. I mean, it's absolutely – We how many different platforms have we been on? Um, yeah, I was going to say, speaking of Zoom, we are using it to connect with our guest great uh, today. Uh, so, oh, uh, late. It's okay. Valuation's always been an issue. Through Zoom, I will now bring on Jonathan Corpina, Senior Managing Partner at Meridian Equity Partners. We, do, we can't normally talk to Jonathan through Zoom because he's usually on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange, but – Alas, sign of the times. Jonathan, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Good. Uh, I want to know what it's like been, been like for you working from home. Uh, you know, it's been quite interesting, right? I mean, I, I'm, we're normally talking to each other, uh, you know, over a phone call. And uh, hold on, yeah. I'll start my video. There we go. 
Uh, you know, we're normally talking over a phone call and I'm down on the floor and I've got my, you know, trading systems in front of me and, and in the room, you know, giving you guys vibe and feel of what's going on ahead of the market opening. So now <clears throat> with everything that's changed, you know, across the globe, sitting in my home, sitting in my home office now trading, um, you know, certainly not as efficient as I am on the floor. Um, I certainly don't have the same feelings that I get on the floor, right? I mean, we've been, you know, we, we talk normally on, on Fridays a couple of times a month, and usually it's an expiration on those days. And we talk about, you know, the, the, the volume, the sounds of the floor. You can hear, you know, the market kind of moving in a certain direction because you can hear the, you know, the different crowds on the floor and the different people interacting with each other. So being home uh, is, is clearly quite different. I, I just don't, you know, I feel very disconnected to what's going on, but this, you know, talking to clients, all my clients who are hedge funds, mutual funds, pension funds, larger institutions, they're all trading from home also, right? Everyone had their business continuity plans in place. You worked in an office building in New York City and your, your, your business continuity put you in Jersey City or White Plains or somewhere in Long Island, all outside of New York City. All those options now um, cease to exist in this current environment. So everyone's working from home. So it seems like we're all kind of you know, working through this together. So talk about, sorry, Dennis. I want to ask, what's different? Like how, you know, are you still able to, like it's got to be so much different, just the physicalness, but what is actually different about the mechanics of what you're doing? Like not being down there, yeah. how is it different? Because, you know, for me as a trader, I'm prop trader. I've been trading from home for a long time. We just use the electronic information coming at it. But obviously you as a trader on the floor, you know, are going to get different information that's coming directly, you know, sometimes human to human. How is it different? Like, what kind of information are you getting that's like, or, or that you're yeah. potentially missing now? Yeah, great, great question, Dennis. So uh, I'll kind of start off for for my firm. We trade for kind of three different types of clients. We've got our buy side clients, which are hedge funds, mutual funds, pension funds, like I mentioned before. Um, we've got our sell side clients, which are trader to a uh, broker to broker business when we're when we're brokering trades between other banks and other broker dealers. And then we've got our option business. So our broker, our, our buy side business and our option business stay the same. It's the same technology. It's the same working stations that we have to get that executed. It's our, it's our broker to broker business that we can't do from off the floor. That's the stuff that we have to do on the floor. So being off the floor, um, you know, there are certain things that we are certainly missing at this point, right? So as a floor broker, um, you know, besides being able to, to interact with other brokers and interact with the market makers and get information, get some, some insight as to stocks, some insight as to buyers and sellers. Um, you know, one thing that we're currently missing out on as a floor broker is the imbalance feeds, right? So as a floor broker, we get imbalance feeds starting at two o'clock. And that information is very, very insightful because the world, the public gets it at 350. Yep. So that gap in between, we're able to see the stocks update on an individual basis <clears throat> and be, excuse me, and be able to put a kind of picture together as to what we see the imbalances are going to look like. So having access to that information early um, is, is certainly important and something that our clients are missing. Uh, one other aspect that we're, we're certainly missing that we, we can't do for all of our clients is the ability to interact with the close at a late time, right? So market on close orders, limit on close orders have to be in by 350. You can't cancel them. Um, once you're in, you're in, you're locked in. As a floor broker, we've got the ability to enter orders up until 359.50. 
right? Yeah. And if there's an imbalance of, uh, you know, a non-regulatory published imbalance, we're able to interact with that. We can enter orders on the same side, on the contra side. We can change limit, change quantity. Um, we can cancel very late. So it's that flexibility that floor brokers have. I'm certainly hearing from my clients that they're missing, you know, that aspect of it because, you know, as you guys are, you know, trading from off the floor and you guys know, you know, once you put those MOC or LOC orders in, you are locked in. Yes. Having that flexibility towards the end of the day, because a lot can happen in that last 10 minutes, uh, is certainly that they're missing out on. I, I want to just expand on this because um, this is something I've actually been tweeting about, Jonathan, is that I've been saying, people are saying, what's the moves at 350? And I'm like, we don't have any floor brokers down there at 350. So this imbalance information that's coming out is new to everyone. There's right. no feel coming out. So you are seeing some violent moves right at 350.00 when the public imbalance feed comes out. And you, this really goes to show you the benefit of having a floor, at least some floor traders still on the floor because they dampen that volatility. You don't see these huge moves on a normal day, you know, when, 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 when we have floor brokers down there because they've already kind of know, they've already priced in to the stocks where they're going to be. But this is all new. It's like a new information just coming out. And nobody's, you know, on the floor able to dampen that volatility. Like you were saying, you can't put in that order at 350. You know, 50. So it's, you know, it, it becomes, you know, just a liquidity issue as well. But there's it some is. really significant moves happening at 350. And I know that's the only, that's this one spot that I really notice a difference with not having the NYSE floor. Yeah, and what I've noticed, and we're we're clearly keeping a close eye on it, and I'm 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 able to pull down the same imbalance feeds that you guys are, and we're able to monitor it. But uh, you know, I'm seeing that the the 350 publish imbalances, you know, dictate a one way move, and yep. and that move that move stays that way. Where normally in a in a normal environment, when we're there, when an imbalance comes out, the public through a floor broker has the ability to interact with that. So you're right. We dampen that volatility. We add additional liquidity to the markets and stocks don't get displaced. We're seeing both on the upside and the downside. Stocks are closing at really strange prices because of two reasons. Floor broker interaction is not there. And it's much harder for the DMMs, the market makers, to interact, right? So we go through the price discovery process at the end of the day. We're closing stocks. I can, as a broker, interact with that closing stock as a verbal interest late. Uh, the, the DMM, the market maker is there and he's saying, hey, look, this stock's closing down a dollar, a dollar 20. You know what? I think that's a little bit displaced. He'd rather step up and buy it down 80 cents or 90 cents, offset some of that volatility in the market. The listed company's happy. The sellers are happy. He's able to, to get a better price for a closing price across the board. And everybody kind of comes out ahead on this. We're not seeing that interaction. The other thing that you're going to have to, um, you know, go. We'll, we'll have this conversation hopefully very soon when the floor is back open. But when I, as a floor broker, put a um, a, a late de order in into the imbalance feed, it doesn't show up into the imbalance feed until 3:55, right? So you put a market on close order in at 2:30 in the afternoon. It'll show that exactly. twenty thousand. It'll show that twenty thousand to buy when the imbalance feeds go out. If I put my order in, it doesn't hit the imbalance feed until three fifty-five. So what we see on a regular basis is two things: one, that three fifty imbalance, and then that three fifty-five published imbalance. Because at that point, that's when the broker orders, the D orders, get pulled into the imbalance feed, and that also gives a pretty good indication of where things are going. You just don't see that interaction now. Uh, Jonathan, I'm just curious, what has been the hardest part of all this for you? What has been the hardest part of working from home? 
you know, I think it's the, the human interaction, right? I mean, I work in a room with, with 600 people and, and, you know, I kind of call it the, the, the biggest lit pool that's out there, right? Because I'm interacting with um, you know, traders within my own firm, um, but I'm also interacting with traders in, in many other firms and in, interacting with the DMMs. And right. it's that, you know, intangible interaction, that intangible information um, that I feel like I'm, I'm kind of losing my edge. And, and, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, the clients feel that too. You know, they're, they're, they're looking for that extra layer of insight, that, that extra depth that I just feel I can't get a good handle on from off the floor. So from a trading point of view, I just feel like that lack of interaction, that lack of ability to extract information out of other liquidity uh, providers on the floor, it has been difficult. Uh, have you been given any guidance as far as when the floor may be reopening? Uh, have had a lot of calls with management. Uh, you know, no one is committing to anything at this time. I think the NYSE, um, you know, has has done a very good job, um, you know, prior to us closing to making sure that we were as, you know, as safe as possible. Um, and I think they're going to do that again moving forward. Having guidance from, you know, the, the, the government, the president, they're clearly, um, you know, talking with uh, Mnuchin and, 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 you know, all the, all the, uh, uh, the politicians that have a say in this. I do know that the president wants to get this stock exchange open as fast as possible. Uh, we just have to make sure that we do it the right way and make sure that we keep everybody healthy. Jonathan, so uh, we talked a lot about market structure there and everything. I just, I just wanted to get your feel for, you know, the market here. Uh, they, you know, we had that, that low in 2174. We had a great rebound and it really felt like the bears were pressing late in the week last week. And to get us to that, you know, 2,400, get us through that 50% retracement, get us back down to 2,174. And the bulls dug in and, you know, here we are, we got some good news today. And I kind of have my, my upper boundary here in the S and P at uh, 2,650. I mean, instead of everyone thinking, Oh, we're going back to the lows or we're going back to, you know, 2,800, do you see a like prolonged period of consolidation here? Uh, I, I do at this point, Joel, you know, and I, and I think I was listening to your show coming in and, you know, you mentioned something that was, that was so important, um, you know, trading on logic and what's happening now. It's, it's hard to kind of tie technicals into it and tie fundamentals into it because we know earnings season coming up is going to be very bad. We know our economic data is going to be very bad. And that doesn't mean the market's going to react negatively to it, right? I mean, we've, we've been trading for a long time and it's the unknown that scares the market. The, the known news is okay. It's, it's going to be priced in. It's going to be absorbed into our market. So we know the jobs numbers moving forward are going to be bad. We know earnings season is going to be bad. And I think people are going to be able to embrace that and be okay with that. So from that point of view, you know, it's, it's kind of hard. You, you gotta, you gotta disconnect yourself. But when you go back to the logic, um, I, I think we've kind of had this week and next week on our calendars, as far as um, the New York peak, so to speak, right? The numbers where New York really shows how bad it is and we're able to get that turn. There is a sense we're getting that, those positive numbers in the, uh, a little bit earlier than expected. I think that's what's gonna be helping this market today. That could clearly change for tomorrow and later in the week. But yes, we got down to the lows, we've tested the lows. It seems like this market flushed out very fast and was willing to kind of rebound and build itself back up just as fast. We just need to get through. I, I really do think, um, you know, getting past the job numbers last week was, was important. I think getting through this week 
um, as a whole is going to be important because this is this is this should be the week that we get all the New York numbers um, to a point where they're going to be maxed out and we start to see a turn. And then from there, I think other states moving south, moving west can kind of gauge themselves off of New York. And, you know, unfortunately, there was no playbook for this. Um, but it seems like, you know, we've we've done a lot of things in New York right. We've done a few things wrong. And other states will be able to play off of that. And one final question. Uh, who signed that football back there? Uh, that's an old uh, – that's a Joe Montana signed Super Bowl football up there. Whoa. <laughs> That he's stepping up, stepping up the autograph game here on pre-market yeah. prep. Yeah, wow. a couple, couple of good stuff back there. It's a, uh, a Dr. J. There it is, Dr. J. Football over there. I've got a uh, a Lakers basketball sign there. So over the years, I've you know I'm a, I'm a sports guy, and I just kind of you know collect things wow. that that stand out to me. I'm not a I'm not a Lakers fan, but but a a sign ball was always uh, interesting to me. All right, Jonathan Corpina is a senior managing partner at Meridian Equity Partners. Jonathan, uh, thanks for coming on, and stay safe now more than ever, and, and we'll talk to you again, uh, hopefully, when you're back on the floor. Gentlemen, thank you very much. All the best to you guys. Love working with you All right. guys. All right. Thanks, Jonathan. Uh, 851 here. I want to pull up Wayfair. If yeah. you haven't seen this one this morning, you should look it Whoa. up. Uh, pull What's it up, up? On, your, on your screen here. They A uh, couple things here. They announced a private placement of $535 million of convertible senior notes. Also, they expect to meet or exceed their previously issued sales guidance. This is net sales growth guidance of 15 to 17%. They see strong demand across their home goods categories. I read all that from Benzinger Pro just now. So Wayfair is flying. Online retailer and, and flew under the radar here. Okay. So I suggested like half seriously overstock, like what a month ago. And you guys were like, no, nah, they do furniture. Yeah. Well, I guess some, some online furniture retailer is, is uh, getting through this nicely. It, it, it's, it's a nice move here. Wow. That's an impressive move. I probably move. at $80, I see that in just t- trading a pure technically here, December lows were around $80 back in February. That's where you held support before we started to break down. I think that's back to the line in the sand. I know it's a long ways away from there. It's at 67. Uh, that's where I think you would run into massive resistance. These things are, this could be a crazy day for this. So it could really bounce around. Like you're talking a lot, you know, like I think, think it's easily see in the seventies, it could go right back down. Um, I, I would not chase the rally though. I'm not chasing the rally in anything, but online retailers, you could see this happen in this earnings season. They got a, a very strong online business. You could actually see some of these kind of companies got higher. All right. Uh, pre-market high here comes in at uh, 71.20. So as always, you want to see uh, follow through, through that pre-market high, that'd be confirmation that the bulls are, bulls are in charge today. Uh, my next level of interest, I mean, you got a daily high at 74, but just a, a four-day range of highs from 74 to 76.43, that's just like that tells me like 75, 75 and a quarter. That would be, you know, if you do plow through 71.20 and you're looking for a little bit of meat on the bone there, if not, it opens up to that $82 level that uh, Dennis mentioned. So got to get through the pre-market high first. Everyone wants to talk about LK. So let's talk about LK. What do you, what can you say about this stock? I, mean, I, sold, I, I bought own, it. I bought it for, smoke. I played it. I bought it for a bounce play. And I, on Friday's action, I was like, this isn't bouncing. So I actually <laughs> sold, I think it's six, 
40 or something. I, I, I tried to get out on the opening print actually, cause I had a bad feeling of it. I was just a little bit too high. It opened up over seven bucks, but I was sitting in the mid sevens and um, I, I had in my, in my swing trading account, I didn't even get over to cause I'm doing my day trades. So I didn't even get over to it till like nine 40. So so busy with my opening trades on my day trading stuff. I came over to, and it was already starting to leak. I was like, this is not good. Not good that it's not bouncing back on the next day. So not what I wanted to see. So I took a, I took a loss on it and moved on. I think I sold 640. It's 538. I mean, this is just, it's a no touch for me at this point in time. I mean, you do have a level. 490 was the low from yep. day one. That would be my line in the sand if you're trying to play it. And you think that low could hold? I mean, I wouldn't argue. You know, you can put on any trade as long as you have an out. So 551, if you're buying it here, you're risking yourself 60 cents on the downside. If it takes that out, I wouldn't want to be a part of it, though. Um, it's tough to buy companies that are, you know, getting, you know, that are basically cooking the books. So I, I can't, you know, come in here. And, you know, when I bought that, I thought it might get a bounce the first day. But this is not something that I'd, I'd want to just like, you know, that I think is going to come, have to come back. It's not the case at all. When they're cooking the bucks, you know, anything could happen. Well, what you, if, you, if you're buying this here, that you're, you're thinking or you're hoping that the books weren't cooked as much as everyone thought it was. <laughs> That's exactly what you're thinking. <laughs> you're hoping the books weren't cooked as much as everybody else thinks the books were cooked. But it sounds like they were cooked. I mean, they were so issuing they were, the, they were in the oven. So, um, how long were they in the oven for? <laughs> were they in there just toasting the edges, or were they in there like, and it's well done? <laughs> That's a funny thing to say. Yeah, is it on? Did you think you had it on big three fifty, and it's actually on broil? You know, <laughs> yeah, you pull it out. Uh, Greg is saying, I'm surprised Triple D would even try. Well, that was play a boredom trade. Box. That's one of those that I, if I watch a stock for long enough, I feel like I got to get down and dirty in it, right? So I, I use speculative cap. I literally use like one tenth of my normal size of a position. So we're talking very small size. Sign on the time. Dennis one is trading stocks like of my normal coffee. size. Not even half of my normal size. I use one tenth of my normal size on that. And I thought we could get a bounce. And you know what? I was up. I was averaged in, I think, at like 680 from the day before. And it closed there and it actually opened up at $7. I was trying to get out at seven fifty for a little bounce. But then once it started getting down, I was like, nah, I don't want to, I don't want to be stuck in this thing. So I just took the loss and moved on. All right. Uh, uh, real quick. Do you know why? Wait, we're real close, yeah. Spencer. Do you know yeah. why? And if anybody knows this in the chat, they get a uh, free subscription to the Benzinga Pro. Oh, gosh. Does anybody oh. know why I call it Lucky Kitchen? No. No, because of the no. guy. No, nobody knows that. <laughs> Come on. You can't be inside your mind, Joel. Come on. Yeah. Got, there Lucky used to Kitchen. Be, yeah. Was you there a why? stock called Lucky Kitchen that LK was? Nope. Nope. China, there used to be a Chinese restaurant in Ann Arbor called Lucky Kitchen. Oh, my Kitchen. God, Joel. Come on. All right. So I thought local. someone would know the that. The only person that would know that is somebody from Ann Arbor. Oh, is anybody going to know? Okay, anybody real, from Ann Arbor in the chat? Oh, my gosh. Real quick. Uh, CODX, Code Diagnostics, they received uh, the FDA emergency use authorization this morning for uh, their coronavirus test. Uh, so CODX is up 31% or so this morning on that news and vir getting a pop here too on coronavirus news i believe spencer right um, yes so we might as well just cover these together GlaxoSmithKline and vertech biotechnology enter collaboration to find a coronavirus solution GlaxoSmithKline is going to make a 250 million dollar investment into vir both of these coronavirus stock plays are getting a lift here this morning 
I, I feel like the the plays on these stocks is, is kind of you know, like it's like when we were early they they had the sky was the limit but now you know people have been stuck in these things now so it means there's overhead supply all of a sudden on all of these so I don't know like if you know VIR I, I think it's more of a gift both of these rallies in my opinion I think uh, you're more of a well, seller let's, than a buyer let's go to a real stock you know like uh, if you want to do this and you're looking at the play let's just talk Gilead I mean that's a real stock and it's trading up so let's well, it's go a company the- that's got viable operations that isn't just dependent on <laughs> on you know a hope trade that we might come up with a coronavirus cure there you go so uh, get, what do you think a- Gilead 80 bucks yeah, Spencer, you want to give the news on them? Is there uh, more they news are, again today? They're, well, they're, they're increasing their production uh, for their uh, coronavirus drug, although they're not charging for the supply. Um, but, yeah, I, I take a little bit of offense to, to Joel saying real company. I mean, these other ones are real companies. They're real they're, companies. They're just they, not they, one-trick ponies. Right. You know, these right, other companies right. are pure, you know, these their, their trick is coronavirus. Gilead is a company with, you know, it isn't just dependent on – yeah. It's, a, it's a stock that I wanted for a while. I actually bought it and then I got spooked out. I didn't want to own anything back in the middle of March. So I, I wish I would have held it. I wish I was in. I'd be a buyer of pullbacks. I'm not chasing it though. Uh, it's holding up here. This is kind of interesting. You, you got the initial pop. It's getting a little market love too. Uh, it got up to 80, 88 and they've tried to bust it back down, but it's just, is there some icebergs out there or something, Dennis? What, what's going on? What are you seeing on the bid and offer? Because it's tight here. So I would say if it holds. 80 looks kind of thick right now. Yeah. Thick is it offered? Yeah, it's offered. Yeah. Okay. If, uh, if you're looking for another target, like let's say it goes to 80 and 80 and a quarter, 80 and a half, and you're thinking, oh, this is going 18160. That would be my next target. That's your March 20th high. But in the event, like you get up into the mid, you know, mid 80 handle and then you roll over and you come back down through 80. I don't know. I would look at least for a gap fill at 79.47. And I don't I don't think you'll get it unless the market really rolls over today. I don't think you'll get it unchanged at 78.21. But Gilead, you could get unchanged at 78.21. I'll tell you why. It's been trading opposite the market a little bit. I've been I've been trading it just, you know, in the stat herb category right now. And Gilead's actually been moving a little bit opposite to the market. So I would not be surprised if this thing went red today okay. because the market's up higher and they're playing, you know, the coronavirus play side. I mean, that's not going to last on Gilead forever. But again, Gilead's beta is lower too, so it's never usually going to be up as much as the market. Also, headlines are going to drive it. If they get a headline, a positive headline coming again, you know, that could drive it higher too. But I would think I'd be more inclined to sell it today um, just for for the the day traders out there than think this is going to catch up to the market because usually this one um, has been moving opposite to the market to a certain extent, like not perfectly, but a, a little bit. And you know what other stock, just before we finish the show, a sure. stock I think could actually get hammered here. Um, I look at Zoom and I've been pair trading these two together, Teladoc. And Teladoc is holding on here. Um, I think Teladoc is set up to, you know, maybe pull, not, not that it's going to pull the Zoom because it's not under investigation or anything like that. It's, it's down today. It's it, one of the only it, ones. It's hanging, it's hanging on a cliff here. And I would not be surprised if Teladoc it starts to give some back. If the market starts to rally significantly, TDOC is probably going to go down. So this moves opposite to the market too. Not surprised that it's down here today. I don't know if I want to sell in the hole. I have no position. I don't want to know if I want to sell in the hole four bucks. But if it's to rally up a little bit here, um, I would be inclined to actually short this. So I think the TDOC, um, I know it's got a nice little flag. You're looking at it there. It's tightening up. I think it's going to break to the downside. So I'm bearish TDOC. That's, that's a call I'm making. 
no position on it yet. All right, uh, that'll be it uh, for our show. Uh, as, some, as some astute uh, viewers in the chat noticed, yes, I didn't have a new sign today. I apologize. What the hell? I'll be honest, I'll be honest I kind of forgot. What? <laughs> it was a long weekend. What can I say? Uh, so I should put up signs, and I got them all on my uh, thing here going all around here. I'll get a new sign up for tomorrow. My sign maker is over here uh, right next to me right now. So uh, I, I will have her make something up for us tomorrow. I want to thank our guest today, Jonathan Corpina. Thanks to all of you in our chats, both on YouTube and premarket.benzinga.com. Catch the podcast as always, or replay of the show on our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash Benzinga TV. Please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as, as informational purposes only, not for investing or trading advice. You can catch a uh, free two-week trial and a subsequent discount of Benzinga Pro. It's our real-time news platform by clicking on the description or the link in the description of this video. Everyone, have a great rest of your day. Be safe out there. Joel and I will, will be back with you uh, at 3.40 for what we've been doing at the close, and the whole crew will be back tomorrow morning. Have a good one. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.